0: Get 10% off your first month. That's com slash pivot.
2: Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
1: And I'm Scott Galloway.
0: Hello, Scott. I'm in a closet right now. Again. Again. I'm back in the closet. I'm up in Rhode Island on a vac- on a purported vacation. And of course, I'm not going to take any time off. Um, and I'm, I have to work out of a closet because it's really noisy here. There's a lot of birds and ocean noises. And so I can't allow that to happen in this podcast of ours.
1: I find nature fucks up everything.
0: Does it? Yeah. Nature fucks up everything. Anyway, happy Father's Day. How, how did it go yesterday?
1: You know, I'm glad you noticed my um, yeah. my kids filled out a not that you asked, but my son's filled out a book. And yeah. the nicest part was, uh, and I'm sure you saw this because I know you follow my tweets because you want to be more uh-huh. involved in my life.
0: I did see but it. I did they, see it.
1: There's a page that says you are three parts, and they have to pick three words, and they picked uh, funny, which is nice. Uh, Embarrassing, Mm -hmm. which I also kind of like. I aspire to be one of those embarrassing dads. And the last one they chose was determined. I'm like, how did 10 and 13-year-old sons describe their father as determined?
0: What, did they just sit there and decide that's the word? Is that what they did? I don't know.
1: I don't know the process.
0: What What does that mean? I
1: don't know. But do you know, okay, so the number Mm -hmm. one, let's talk a little bit about the holidays and how dads get no love. So. The number one holiday by by uh, financial and human capital devoted to it is, I don't
0: know what.
1: Well, it's Christmas.
0: Yeah. Oh, Number okay, two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, I thought New Year's would
1: number be. Number t- number two. Any guesses what number two would be? New Year's. Uh, Mother's Day. Oh. Right, okay. I mean, Mother's Day is a pretty, you know, we like. I've got a plan. It's got to be sentimental, yet luxurious, yet organic, yet very planned out. Anyways, Mother's Day is a big deal in every household. Uh, you know what? Where Dad's or where Father's Day comes in, and then in terms of the ranking, like 10. number twenty, wow. just behind St. Patrick's Day, and ahead. Oh, well, that's an important holiday. That's a, ahead of Kwanzaa.
0: <laughs> that is an important holiday, St. Patrick's we Day. We just I'm beat I'm surprised St. Patrick's Day is so low. That's really kind of interesting, huh? Yeah, yeah Father's Day, I'm so sorry, but they're all fake days. you do know that right? like I hate them all. I hate all the days like I don't like Christmas holidays either.
1: And, I don't either and those
0: kind of things are fine, but the 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 sort of Mother's Day, I can't stand it, even if it's number two.
1: I don't like holidays. I don't like anything where people like take off work and don't want to work I don't like I don't like any of it. I'm like, oh shit, it's a fucking holiday. I can't trade stocks. I can't call people and harass them. I just I don't like any. I agree. I don't like holidays at all. When I was started L2, we used to, me and my co founder, Marie Mullen, would head to Europe over Thanksgiving so we could work through the holiday. And we'd always say, we're going to lap the competition this week. Yeah, come (laughs) to work with me if you want balance in your life, you millennial bitches. I don't like But what? Did did you you? have a nice day? You feel good
0: about being a father, do you? And by the way, mothers do more work, but go ahead. Sorry.
1: Are we being being serious? Yeah. Did you like it?
0: Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah,
1: it's the first time in my life I kind of sort of have an idea of why I'm here. It's the most rewarding thing in my life. Also. All
0: right. Well, good. And I'm glad you got the day then, that just the day. Now yeah. go back to the rest of your life. There were the other 364 That's days. That's right. A year.
1: I'm back. <laughs> I'm back.
0: You are the man who has everything. I'm so glad you have this. So, um, so, you know, I, enter, speaking of a father, I interviewed Anthony Fauci, who was very worried about his children in the interview I just did with him. Uh, because, and why is he worried? Because of death threats and stuff. That's the one thing in the whole really? interview. He was quite angry and, uh, about the way, you know, he, his, he has been politicized essentially as a political punching bag. But one of the things that sort of got him was the impact on his family and his, his children and his wife.
1: Yeah, and I think it's um, I think it reflects poorly on our culture. It's a lack of dignity. It's a lack of grace. It's it's also uh, fueled and powered by social media and networks that yeah. let their their um, anchors engage in ridiculous conspiracy theories, such as the FBI planned the insurrection. I mean, it's just we've lost all. It really is. There's sort of a death of truth and a death of I don't know grace. i don't don't know know. i don't know what
0: it is but it's really it was depressing so a lot of what he did talk about was that is he's tired of it that he's you know being called names like hitler and that was roger stone and many other things and yesterday just yesterday like marshall blackburn and that lunatic ronnie whatever the i don't even know his name the one who was the doctor who over medicates um himself um the guy who was a doctor for uh, trump said he was super fit
1: well that he was in great shape
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. So he, they were doing it yesterday, it's crazy. Now there's things to be brought up and then he talked about it as making mistakes and saying, you know, not having perfect communications and developing your ideas as they go along, but nobody in public health is allowed to do this anymore. And that I thought was really interesting. You're not allowed to say, Okay, we told you this a couple of weeks ago, but actually now as the evidence is developed, we didn't know this was this and we should do this. And so uh, that was one of the things he talked about, which is, you know, in anything he does, there was one thing in particular. He got an email from Mark Zuckerberg, a lot of which was redacted. And so the right has decided he's been plotting to censor the Wuhan uh, lab theory which he didn't which he wasn't um he just said he just wrote him asked him for help and he can't believe it's gone like crazy like this um and so it's an interesting situation with him um and, and problematic, I think, for public health. He thought. I think he probably thought it would be better in the Biden administration, but it's gotten worse because no, nothing sticks to Biden in social media. It really doesn't. And so mm-hmm. they've decided he's, I guess, the new Hillary Clinton. I'm not really clear. To go
1: after they need a, They need a punching bag.
0: And it works on, on social media. By the way, uh, you, you know, speaking of rants, then this wasn't the same rant, you had a rant about mm-hmm. Comcast you gave a few weeks ago. Tell us what happened.
1: Yeah, I used this as an example of Monopoly Power, and they had come out on a Friday and then it didn't get fixed. And I said, they came up, un- they showed up unannounced to my door early in the morning on a Saturday. And I use that as, as a rant of, this is part of the problems with monopolies. Right. And a guy named Sam Schwartz who runs oh, partnerships. Sam, yeah. yeah, who I, I, I know and I forgot. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. I actually was on a podcast with his wife. She does a good podcast on education. Sent me this really thoughtful email. You know what, I, it, there's really a downside to having some influence. I forget how many people actually listen to yes, this thing. They do. And he said he tracked down the the work order in Palm Beach and followed up with the team. And it ends up that they had found that there was a wiring problem and they came out the next day to fix it and that they should have communicated to me, but they were actually trying to do the right thing. So I want to set the record straight. Comcast, which charges me $300 a month just for data, no cable, $300 yeah. <laughs> a month, just saying. Uh, hello, Monopoly. Uh, I want to correct the record. And by the way, I love, there's a lot of wonderful things about Comcast. Uh-huh. I love MSNBC. Uh, so Comcast. Right. Uh, I love Stephanie Ruhle. Right. And now that when I saw the Friends reunion, I don't know about you, but I felt much better I didn't about watch myself. Yeah,
0: I can't believe it. I haven't oh, watched. Oh,
1: do it. You I feel can't. much better I'm about more, yourself. I didn't
0: like how they looked. I was upsetting. That's somewhere. my point. I don't, That's the most rewarding thing about that. it. I don't. You know, some. I thought Lisa Kudrow looked good. Otherwise, it felt like a lot of work done for people that didn't, shouldn't have done. You get they, a were few all they were all adorable. They
1: were I don't know. I just. You don't. get a, a few laughs. You're like, wow. Maybe my life is going better than I thought. I don't
0: know. I don't know. No, and that guy who played Chandler. I just Matt. Whatever. Anyway, um, I can't nice. watch it. Love Comcast. Apologize uh, to, to Sam and Comcast. And Scott Galloway. And I hope you don't get any work done after you get famous. You have a tooth fairy update.
1: Okay, so I did start. I, I thank you for asking. It's Father's I Day. I'm start, giving you all this. this, this I, did, I appreciate it. A lot of softballs coming my way. I did on Friday. I recorded, I had, I kicked off my career as a voiceover actor. I'm the voice of Kingston, mm-hmm. who is the tooth, the grand tooth, the grand tooth fairy instructor yeah. in a tooth fairy tale. And do you want to hear the opening line?
0: Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Go for it.
1: Okay, hold on. Magic has always existed.
0: Oh, my God, a that star is really born. really bad acting. A can star you, you, is born. Can you try that again? That was how you read it? A star is born. Oh, my God.
1: Okay. And by the way, uh, Pixar reached out to me, and they want me to be a new toy in the new Toy Story. I'm going to be a sex toy, uh-huh. and my name's going to no. be Buzz or Woody. No, no.
0: no. And Randy Newman no. is
1: writing a song for no, me called, not called, called oh, You Have no. a Friend in You. You've
0: got a friend in me. <laughs> did you? Did you? That's good long, humor. How long did that That's take you? Good to, on good humor. Father's Day. How did this? How long does it take you sitting there, sitting in a chair, you know, being served orange juice to make that one? Up? It
1: takes. It literally takes. No, it's it's lemon water. It literally takes seven or eight hours. It's not easy, too. You have these directors, and they'll say shit like, "We really want you to own this statement," and you're like, "What do you mean by own? How do I own a statement?" Or they'll say, "It should be fatherly, but in a teaching moment sort of way." Oh, they give you God. this very colorful instruction yeah. and but it's not It's I just thought it would be me reading lines it's it's, it's no you, um, have
0: act. You, have yeah, act. you have to act you have to act you have to act and I gotta yeah. tell you Joey Tribbiani yeah. you got yeah. some work to do <laughs> anyway
1: Seriously though Morgan Freeman, he hears <laughs> yeah. my footsteps behind him. He does not.
0: He hears. He them and the not penguins wrong.
1: are nervous. No, he doesn't. I'm going to be doing no. the, the next march of the penguins. They
0: do not hear your voice in anything in any way, but I'm so glad you're doing this. I'm so glad I'm trying to stay in the I I know it's practicing and podcasting, but the acting could use a little bit of work. In you any know. case, it's time for the big story. There's trouble for travel. American Airlines is canceling hundreds of flights throughout July and mostly due to staffing issues. This time at the height of the pandemic, the company furloughed thousands of workers. It was a huge uh, layoff that they had. Meanwhile, American Airlines CEO, Doug Parker, made over $10 million in compensation during the same time period. And now they don't want to come back to work. So what do you think? And they all got a lot of CARES Act uh, money, et cetera, et cetera. What do you you think of what's happened here?
1: Well, I think it's more of the same. I think it's just... Uh, what's shocking isn't that workers are coming back but it's shocking that people making 10 million dollars a year are shocked that people don't want to come back to work at 15 bucks an hour yeah. um, so i it's nice that uh, I, there is some truth to the fact that the market is the ultimate arbiter mm-hmm. and the fact that the market does seem to be reaching into wages at finally at, at lower income levels or people who frontline workers and bringing their wages up but I, look, I, I'm a I'm not a big fan of bailing out companies, I- small or big. I I think we need to be more harsh with companies. Companies are an abstract, and airlines would still be flying if they'd all gone bankrupt. To be fair, a lot of them, including Delta and Southwest, opted to get uh, loans in the private markets. Uh, I think American and United opted to take loans from the government. Mm-hmm. But look, if you go back to long-term capital management, if you go back to the initial bailout of Chrysler, all bailouts do is set up for bigger bailouts. Mm -hmm. And when you're bailing out a company, it's positioned as CEOs like this, try to position it as saving jobs and saving America. And really what they're doing is they're saving their own compensation because the stock goes way down, they get awarded options, and then when stock comes back up, they make $10 million. But what they're really saying, when we bail out companies who Mm -hmm. are really bailing out is the 1%. And I don't even want to say bailing out because that connotes that they're in trouble. Well, it's simple. If you look at the S&P 500 and you you disarticulate it into deciles and you take the biggest 50 companies and you keep going down, there's now a correlation between size and returns. And Mm -hmm. the reason why is the market, which is smarter than all of us, absorbs the notion that there's asymmetric risk return to the upside because if you're too big to fail, the government comes in and says, okay, take big risks. And if they work, boom, you make money. And if they don't work, We'll bail you out. And all we're really doing with these bailouts at the end of the day is bailing out share- shareholders, which by gross dollar amount, yeah. 90% goes to the top 1%. So all of these bailouts, they shouldn't be called bailouts. They should be called, we're making the rich richer. We're making the shareholder richer. So what class should they richer. have done? What
0: should they have done here? They laid off all these people. This was an extended period of non-travel. The business fell off. There was, yeah, other, other companies did this. Airbnb did this. Many others did this. Um, laid people off. Um, what What do you think is the issue then what do we how do you how do you get people back to work if they don't want to work and this was of course the republican uh calling cry like they're not people aren't going to work but they think like that's i I don't think it's a bad thing i was in a a, a supermarket the other day a very good supermarket i'm in rhode island right now um and they were they were couldn't do the deli counter because they didn't have enough workers right and so i asked someone and they were like well you know it is because why come back to work if you're going to earn less like, what is the, you know, the, but the minute that employment benefits end, they're going to go back to work. It's that, you know, they're going to pick the jobs, you're going to try to get a better job or a better deal or something like that. And some of these companies, which have been riding off the backs of workers for a while are going to have a real problem. And in Americans' case, they laid off a lot of people. And the, and the contrast, while well, it's more complex than just, oh, a CEO gets money and, and workers get furloughed is really going to challenge employers to do better for employees, presumably.
1: But you – there's a few components to this and you summarized the first component perfectly and that is if a company can't – a small business or Uber or whoever it is can't survive without software uh, that circumvents minimum wage laws or without an employment contract that pays people $2 an hour plus tips, that business should go out of business. We don't need businesses like that. That's bad for the economy. We can also raise minimum wage. We can also quite frankly say, look, I'm a big believer and you should be able to fire workers. Mm -hmm. The countries that have the easiest time firing workers are the countries that hire workers at the greatest clip when the economy comes back. You should also let businesses fail. They go out of business. Uh And when they go out of business, uh, everyone as, uh, imagines that no one would get to fly again if Delta went out of business. No one wouldn't. That the the creditors would come in, take over the company, the shareholders would be wiped out, senior management would make as much money, a lot of people would be fired in the short run, and then someone else with fresh capital and fresh legs and a fresh vision for a post-pandemic yeah, airline would come back.
0: This is something that Go Chamath Palihapitiya said to me, like when we were talking What's about that? his things should just die. Like he was, no, no Chamath could be very- or,
1: or be reinvented.
0: Yeah, that's what he was talking about. And not, those that are not inventing in growth are going to be in trouble. This, this was in the middle, right as the pandemic started. He said, any company that is, it is giving dividends or overpaying its CEOs is in big trouble after the, after the pandemic.
1: Well, we have more flora and fauna in a capitalist society. And one of the things that makes America great is that we believe in pyrophilic plants. And I- those are plants that are only born of germination by fire. And Mm -hmm. fire is is rejuvenating. And occasionally, and what happens is when you keep bailing out these companies, all you're doing, Kara, is letting more brush and accelerant gather such that when the actual crash comes, it is a firestorm. You let businesses go out of business. And guess what? If Carnival was allowed to go out of business or or, or, or American was allowed to go out of business, there would still be an airline. People would still get from point A to point B. People would still be hired back. And in terms of employees, I just find it shocking that everyone looks at it, an existential crisis that people have said, it's not that people don't want jobs. People have said, you know what? I don't want a shitty job. I, well, I'm, I'm they've sick had of getting paid no money. Had,
0: they they realize that the the, the, the trade offs they've been doing and what they've been putting up with. It's interesting, it'll have what ripple effect it has, like something like Airbnb or other ancillary companies. One of the things that when I was talking to Brian yesterday, he thought business travel was over. He said, I'm not even depending on business travel anymore. He's good. At people. The, his business. He is, has sort of written it off as, as a direction for Airbnb and things like that. They've already made those adjustments um, and not dependent on it because he thinks people are going to do, you know, more virtual, that they don't have to go as much. And he's going to focus more in on close to home travel and also mm-hmm. other travel as it returns, uh, tourist travel and consumer travel. What do you think of this?
1: Uh, I think Brian is mostly right. Um, business travel isn't going to go away. It's going to be like malls or retail or movie theaters or even office space. And it'll, mm-hmm. it'll experience a dramatic a structural decline in demand, but it'll still be there. But I think travel will actually be compensated by uh, – or the the slack will be picked up by – people are going to spend more money and more time uh, for leisure travel. That that I think that's going to um, – Absolutely, Baum. What do you think?
0: I do. I agree with him. I thought it was just interesting how, how very clear he was that he just was, he said it was dead, you know, and I thought that was an interesting thing. And I might agree with him. I'm just not going to travel as so much for work. And I think yeah. a lot of people, a company speaking of say like the employees reestablishing themselves and figuring out what really is earning is about. I think companies are like, I don't need to spend that. You know, I'm sure Jim Banco was like, why am I spending so much money on hotels and planes when my business did better? You know, so I think it should be interesting. Um, I think a lot of people have reassessed a lot of things, Scott. Well,
1: I commuted pre-pandemic. I commuted to New York for 10 years from from Delray Beach, go to Palm Beach Airport, PBI, Sunday nights, up and back, Sunday to Thursday. Uh, That's 100 flights a year, plus meals, hotels. I mean, that was 50 to 100 grand a year. And that Mm -hmm. is, now I'm gonna go up once a month. I mean, it's a big shift.
0: Yeah, it's a big shift. All right. We'll go to a quick break and we'll be back to talk about the SEC's new metrics for curbing climate change, China's ban
3: on crypto mining and friend of Pivot, NBC's Chuck Todd. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life.
0: we're back. The Securities and Exchange Commission is gearing up to have companies disclose more about how they respond to climate change. It's a really interesting uh, new trend. It's like what their climate report is essentially. Gary Gensler, Biden's new SEC chair, has said that climate related disclosure is a huge priority. He will be meeting with financial regulators in the next week uh, to come up with metrics to help investors get a sense of how a company is dealing with their links to climate change. It's something that tech companies have been doing for a little while, but it's and then have been pushing for this too. Meanwhile, China is shutting down 90% of its crypto mining, which is interesting. That's where a lot of it goes on. The notice ordered that local electric companies immediately stop supplying power to crypto mining projects they have detected. The ban, which came over a weekend, seems less about environmental concerns raised by people like Elon Musk, for example, and more an effort of the Chinese government to control the market before releasing a digital currency itself. So what's happening here? There's all sorts of things going on.
1: Well, Gary, uh, first off, I've been shocked. Supposedly a third of the capital raised for alternative investment uh, vehicles has some sort of ESG component where they Mm want to know what your climate policy is. So creating metrics that investors can better evaluate where they want to allocate their capital is the kind of thing the SEC should be doing. The SEC should be coming up with standards that not only say, here are some some protocols and, and common metrics, but also doing away or not allowing metrics like uh, community-based EBITDA and all the bullshit mm-hmm. metrics that companies come up with to fool people into believing they're worth more than they actually are. The other thing, you mentioned the crypto thing is really big. Crypto took a bit of a hit over the weekend. And uh, I had said, and I, I didn't realize what happened in China, but I've always thought that crypto was an existential threat to the US dollar because... This incredible force globally is, is having the dollar as the, the kind of the premier currency for foreign exchange reserves because dollars have to flow through our system. We get incredible mm-hmm. visibility into the flows of influence. Our economic sanctions have more power. Sure. And China's the one that said, well, you know what? Crypto is an existential threat to the yuan, and we're going to shut it down. But Because yeah, they this can is do a, that,
0: just like they can do things to Jack Ma right. that you may want to do right. to Elon Musk it's, and you can't. It's
1: nice to be a, a an autocracy on certain levels. It, it's, uh, but the argument they're making is is that it's a bullshit argument about environment. And it's a really interesting discussion is discussion, and that is, okay. Uh, Bitcoin is supposedly responsible for el- electricity consumption greater than Argentina, but at the same time, a lot of people would argue that putting it close to alternative sources of energy creates a greater market for and capital for the development of alternative sources of energy. Right. But this is this is a I think this is a big deal. I don't you know what when what happens when the hash rate, which is basically a measure of the viscosity or how robust. Uh, mining is took it's still way up if you if you go back one or two years, but it took a substantial dip uh, when this happened. And mining has seen a, a a serious slowdown over the last several days because of these actions I think it's I think it's fascinating I'd love to I'd love have take on yeah
0: it. it's an interesting well I'm going to give you mine I think it is a question about control you know Peter uh, Thiel has talked about this a lot of people are mm-hmm. talking about this issue of the threat to the dollar and what it means and of course the people who are proponents of Bitcoin think this is a good thing the ability to uh, to decouple currency and finance from government. Uh, influence, And that's not, not going to happen. It's not going to happen in China. And by the way, it's not happening in the U.S. of A. So it's going to be an interesting battle between them in terms of setting standards and everything else. And so but at the same time, that's the inclination of Bitcoin in that way. But what the, what successfully happened is to sort of hang the environmental uh, bandit uh uh, you know name around the neck of bitcoin and even Elon Musk was saying this i'm still trying to figure out why he suddenly shifted that way but the the environmental impact gives a huge opportunity to create more environmentally conscious bitcoin obviously or any cryptocurrency and so it's a really interesting co- there's a lot of opportunity there to do that And at the same time i think these 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 cryptocurrency people are not going to escape uh regulation Global regulation—they just aren't. They're just not going to do it. They're going to try because that's the sense of it, but they are not going to be successful at it but on some level, to my mind. So,
1: by the way, the company I invested in—the cold, uh, the cold storage hardware wallet, Ledger. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They just raised $380 million. Yeah, it's
0: an opportunity.
1: Can you believe that? Yeah, I can. 380, that's got to be bigger than 95% of the IPOs. I was blown away by that.
0: Number. You know, someone was making a lot of money making those little sleeves you put coins in a million years ago. just It's just, there's businesses around all these things. And yeah, I think this is a huge opportunity. Everything, Safety
1: deposit boxes, right?
0: You know, right, yeah. Like someone yeah. made those. Like when you look at them, someone made everything that had well, to do with Recurring currency.
1: revenue, they charge you, to, you know, 30 bucks a year to have a yep. box where you store grandma's ring in. I mean, it's yeah. just kind of, that's I a great business.
0: One. I have one in San Francisco. And then I keep thinking, what am I going to do if there's an earthquake? Anyway, um, so last question, What is the what happens with the SEC? Do you think investors do care about environmental issues or it'll just be another checkbox uh, for investors? I think, think they do. I think a lot of investors do. But um, why, why the move, do you think?
1: I have been just blown away by... Um, so investors, I've always said that it's regulation and then in terms of importance that waiting on these companies, better angels to show up is a flawed strategy, that it needs to be regulation. And that the second place of power, fulcrum of power is to change boards uh, because it all starts, the board picks the CEO, the CEO picks management, compensation schematics, et cetera. What I miss there, it's another really powerful force that's really been incredibly influential is investors. And mm-hmm. a lot of big investors it's kind of strange. Every We talk about concentration of big tech. The concentration of alternative investments is crazy. If you look at the Fortune 500, uh, two of the three largest shareholders are one of like five companies. It's State Street, BlackRock, and I forget who the other one is. Uh, there's another enormous one that's in everyone. Um, so people say, well, the markets are somewhat inert, that you have the same kind of guy sitting around a table owning every company. But what's exciting is they all seem to have rallied around this notion of, sustainability and ESG and again a massive amount of capital now has as a an investment criteria uh, some sort of ESG or climate component i think it's i think it's exciting and i'm i'm to be honest i'm a little bit surprised i'm so, i'm shocked to the upside that they are taking this stuff on and what they i think they've also seen is that Companies with more diverse more diversity overperform. Companies with a climate policy overperform, so they have linked the two. That there appears to be a congruence between stakeholder value and shareholder returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's sh- It's 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 crazy the amount of money that now says unless you are buttoned up around these issues, we are not investing.
0: Yep, yeah, it is interesting, and I think tech companies. I've been talking to a lot of tech companies. They they've been really pushing this heavily, because they're already doing this Microsoft, you know, zero carbon, Google, stuff like that. It's an area where they can actually look like white hats in. And so they've been pushing it really hard with the, uh, with, with the government, which is interesting. I think it, it it'll be interesting. And the time, obviously, the, the Trump administration never would have considered this, uh, at all. Thought it was like, you know, thumb sucking, essentially. Um, anyway, what uh, uh, we—it's we, a really interesting area, and I, the both areas are intertwined in a lot of ways. Are are really in, we're going to see a lot more development in this area, including investments. It's a huge opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting, and there's something about the question I get asked most when I when I do a speaking gig. They say people always say, "What's going to snap back to normal, and what will never be the same?" That's the mm-hmm. question you get the most, and I saw yep. that Arthur Anderson is hiring or Accenture, I think it is, I guess Arthur Anderson no and longer exists. Accenture is hiring like 10,000 people in AI. And the thing about America that has always made our list since the end of World War II, kind of the economy, the you know the big engine that could, so to speak, that always that always does incredibly well is our agility. And you can literally feel the economy reshaping yep. around. Venture funding is dramatically up. Funding around AI startups has already exceeded last year and we're only, you know, we're not even halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. It feels as if the economy is reshaping. Reconfiguring out of sort of a you know an information age AI machine learning driven world, and it's just striking. You can literally feel the ground beneath us kind of reshifting. There's going to be a lot fewer restaurants. There's going to be a lot fewer. Yep. yep. I mean, just you know, uh, there's just a ton of industries. Whether it's commercial real estate, whether airlines, it's
0: airlines, workers, yeah, everything, uh, uh, office industrial complex, relationships, everything. What yeah. am I going to do now? I agree. This has been one of the pandemics. Numero tres
1: and numero nueve niño. (laughs) But aren't you? I mean, (laughs) the the sultan of
0: Calorama. (laughs) I don't live in Calorama. Anyway, let's move on and bring on our friend of Pivot. Chuck Todd. Uh, he needs no introduction, but nonetheless, he is NBC News' uh, political director, moderator, and host of Meet the Press and host of Peacock's Meet the Press Reports. Welcome to the show, Chuck.
4: Thank you, Kara. Nice to talk with you.
0: So, so t- I w- we want to talk about a lot of things. There's a lot of things you're up to, but streaming television is one of them. And this is this new NBC Reports. Now, w- Scott and I talk about this a lot. So making the move from cable television to streaming television is a big one. And a lot of companies are focusing on it. Largely, shareholders are interested in it. There's all kinds mm-hmm. of reasons. And consumers like it. So tell us about this future for you and the audience.
4: Well, I would say we're, I, I, look, I'm, I'm, we're try- I'm trying to constantly reorganize uh, to be platform neutral.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
4: kind of view it as, and in fact, now we're actually organizing ourselves as a company that way. Uh, if you look, we 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 used to be uh, a news division that in some ways was um, highlighted, you know, it was divvied up by platform, right? You mm-hmm. have your cable head, your your broadcast head, your this. And, you know, when they started Peacock, they started on the entertainment side, but they stopped Worrying about, okay, I'm gonna pitch NBC Broadcast or I'm gonna pitch USA. Mm-hmm. And instead, no, 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 it's one entity. So in that sense, I, I sort of I, I I think this sort of the old platform divides are going away and that divvy, that divide up. So I, I kind of think we're, you know, we, we say it's we're going to streaming. Well, it it's, you know, I'm I'm sure it's like people in the 1940s radio saying they're going to TV. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it's just all television, right? Eventually it's just, you know, streaming is just sort of the, the, you know, your entry point into all visual media and maybe visual and audio media. So Mm -hmm. um, I I guess that's sort of the world I'm envisioning that we're headed to. Now I view streaming right now as an opportunity for, I think the audience um, on streaming is interested in more deeper dives, single topic, right? Which is something Mm -hmm. that, I've been dined at what I call news adjacent stories. I mean,
3: mm-hmm.
4: there's plenty of Sunday, you know, you want to say, Hey, I want to do a whole hour and like get a, for instance, our season finale, what's some, what's the next war going to look like that America mm-hmm. has to pre- be prepared for on one end, you could say, Hey, that'd be a great, that'd be a great um, meet the press hour could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's sort of an expectation and, and, you know, there's, we can go through the, the business reasons and the, and the sort of the reasons you set for your, the viewers, your viewers are expecting what's going on this week, what's going to happen next week. So um, in that sense, it's it's a place to um, where you feel like you can connect with an audience that is looking for something deeper. We know that there's um, one of the, I think, the things that we all discovered when streaming sort of started to go mainstream is that there was a lot of demand for for documentaries. There was a lot of demand for a, a lot of uh, what I would call non-fi- nonfiction television that isn't dated hour-to-hour news.
0: I get that. Why haven't you guys gotten it before? Because I remember the same thing was around the internet. It was sort of an adjunct mm-hmm. versus the main yeah. thing, and it, I was like, "It's the thing. It's the thing."
4: Right? So it's why not, are you it's a, It is the thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. So
0: why? Why was it so slow?
4: Why has it been slow?
0: Yeah, I think. I think, I think, I think a, a re- lot of the big companies. I think it's have a
4: resource. I think it's a resource issue. I well, think it's also that, you a money
1: know, thing, isn't it? Don't you still print money running those military-industrial
4: complex commercials and Meet the Press? I wouldn't say it prints money, but there is certainly oh, an. You're advocacy. the most
1: profitable show in history, aren't you, Chad?
4: Yeah, it, it is. Well, it's because we're we're also very low cost too. Um, I, I uh, profitable, it is, right? That's right. But um, there's certainly that audience which has got its own unique um, unique advertiser base. There's no doubt. Right. I mean, I always say Washington, the Washington market is is probably my most important market, not New York, right? Every other entity has to worry about New York or LA. You know, for me, it is Washington, right, because it is sort of the it's who's watching, not necessarily how many are watching uh, on that front. But, um, you know, I think the bigger issue has just been we're an aircraft carrier, you know, when you're the largest aircraft. I've always said NBC is basically the largest aircraft carrier on, in that in the sort of the television landscape hmm. or whatever you want to now call this landscape, this sort of the, the media landscape. It just takes us longer to turn. But then once we turn, you know, it's sort of like, it's, it's, you know, it, it's not done. An aircraft carrier as, coming yeah, at you. <laughs> Right. It's not as willy-nilly. Yeah. Really. I mean, I, look, I look yeah. at what we're developing. I mean, I, I say this, it, it's going to sound as if I'm, I'm just, you know, uh, humping the home team here, but I'm. I'm ecstatic at how well Peacock has launched. I'm ecstatic at where this is headed. I think we're, you know, sometimes you worry when you try to play catch up to the cool kids that you won't do it as well. Um, and we're learning all the time. But I feel like, you know, I look around at our competitors and I feel like we're light years ahead of the of some of our other competitors and where this is headed. You know, uh, you know, I look at our friends over at CNN and I think they're they're behind already. And I don't, it's sort of a head scratcher to me. Oh, they tell have, us more. Have, in tell some why ways, is have, that? I don't understand how they've not become ESPN. You know, how ESPN oh, I is. This.
1: I love this. Uh, I got to interrupt. First off, I learned. No, I owe learned. Let
4: him finish. Wait, 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 no, but, Come what, on. What, he e-
1: interrupts his guess. And now a word from yeah. opioid-induced constipation uh, of the person right, selling uh, uh, new I haven't been able to salt. sell God, the constipation Jesus. drug
4: yet. But um, what, what I'd say is ESPN has successfully dropped the cable moniker. Nobody thinks that right. ESPN is a cable channel anymore. You know you can go to ESPN and there's like 35 feeds. All the time that you can get. I was watching my nephew play in the college baseball tournament. Um, it wasn't on ESPN or ESPN two, but I had the feed that I wanted to watch uh, on the ESPN app, and that's where I, you know, and and that that's something that I'm surprised um, CNN's been a little slower at uh, on that. Well, front. Jason
0: Kylar talked about it, but he's not going to be in charge anymore. He did talk about it extensively, actually. That yeah. was the plan, but it's not the plan anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, go ahead. Keep going. Now, now you may interrupt.
1: Okay, so first off, I, I, whenever I listen to Chuck Todd, I learn, and you are the first person I've ever heard the following from. I am ecstatic about Peacock, so I want to understand. <laughs> I want to understand what it is about Peacock uh, that you think they're doing really well. I also, I'm curious. You, you are on every medium. My sense is you're the second hardest working person in show business behind Kara Swisher. When you look at the different mediums—podcasting, ad-supported cable, uh, streaming—which, uh, if you were going to say, "All right, I'm Chuck Todd, and I want to devote all my human capital to one medium," what would that medium
4: be? What what stage of life am I in, personally? You know, I sit there and say, I I find the podcast conversations hmm. to be to be the most rewarding at times. Hmm. Um, you can do nuance. You can you can have. You can go serious and you can go light all at the same time. Yeah. There isn't this sense that it's performance art. You know, there's not a theater that goes with it that sometimes you're being judged on fair, unfair. So if you're if you're asking me on, on that front, I feel like that's the that's the um if I wanna if I wanna figure out how someone ticks, like what makes them tick, what's really motivated them in their lives, why is it that they decided to get into politics or, or this? I think that's the best medium. Now it's not the best medium for accountability journalism at times. It's not the best, you know, there's different I think there's different um uh there's, there, there's you could argue that that's in some ways the television medium is uh is can be very helpful uh, on that front or the the sort of the the old version of however you want to describe that. So um but you know, I I'm not going to sit here and be poly- I'm, the reason the reason I'm happy about Peacock is that I feel like it's a tentpole. pole. All right. And, and, and I sit here and say, it's, and, and we're getting more right than wrong. And I feel like, okay, we're built to last. It makes sense. I see where we're headed. I think that they have, they have correctly straddled the fence of the folks like my mother, who still sort of needs to have a little more like Netflix overwhelms her Amazon mm-hmm. overwhelms her. Um, mm-hmm. But there's this idea of channels and all of that and, and, and sort of, I, I, I just think it's a it's going to help people transition from linear to streaming so what is
0: different? What better is different? than
4: I think some of the other ones have done. That's what just is all. Different? That, that's why I feel pretty good about it.
0: When you talk about what you're making, what's different? What are you making that's different on these channels as you know, Meet the Press reports? Is it more documentary style? And and the audience uh, would be your mother still or, or younger people, or who are you trying to reach in that regard? So
4: I look at it as I'm trying to reach the more casual um, information seeker that doesn't, that may be a little bit turned off by the day-to-day news cycle, maybe Mm -hmm. thinks that cable news and social media um, is silly and sort of pointless to follow, but they're pretty serious people. Um, and, And I think they're, they're, they're more likely to watch 30 minutes on, you know, what are what are millennials going to be like as a voting block over the next 25 years you know mm-hmm. so i view it as sort of the news magazine meets a, a short documentary short you know i think sometimes it you know i i've my favorites you know I, I my favorite spin-off of 60 minutes is real sports right 60 minutes is sort of you know everybody's got this idea of what a news magazine show looks like and 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 there have been derivatives of 60. i think real sports is my favorite derivative and if I were to say, if I were like ripping off anybody, it'd be my friend, Bryant, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that you, you, you sort of lay it out, you, you lay the story out, but then you unpack the story and then mm-hmm. maybe you add a little bit more to it. So it it's sort of, you know, it's a doc, it's a doc short that, that maybe meets a magazine piece in, in that sense. So that's why I enjoy it. And that's where I feel like I've scratched some itches where you feel like, okay, um, we were able to, you know, we, we, we want, you want to do it and you just don't have enough time. Or you don't have the, the 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 backing, and now there's there's um, you know there's suddenly demand um, for more. News there might have been content. demand.
0: They, audiences might not have liked the screamy reductiveness. You know, I mean, ultimately that ca- that cable has often turned into. There might have been that demand. It just ignored uh, by programmers in a lot of ways.
4: Well, I think now cable is like you know it's funny. It's cable no, news no or even cable television no longer. Do, you know, it used to just describe how you got that television channel, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. now there is a, now it sort of is, a, it's descriptive of a, of a it's almost, a, it's a genre, yeah. now, right? Particularly yeah. on, the, on the on the news side. So it, it is, it is sort of, it, it means something different today than it did in the 90s. But Scott? to
1: you, implicit in your comments is the assumption or that there's an editorial direction and the editorial direction is more what I call hard, fact check based journalism that you're confident and have you seen that have you said look it's become a food fight in cable news and we're going to try and bring more legitimacy and more um, reverence for the truth to the streaming have you do you feel that and see that at peacock and other streamers
4: well what i feel like is that i do think and and if you see sort of I think we're all, you know, all the different streaming news sites, whether it's ours at mm-hmm. News Now, what CBS Digital has done, what ABC Digital has done. I think we're all. A, nobody thinks you should replicate the cable model, right? If you've noticed that there seems to be an assumption that no, you want to be there when people are seeking out news and information. Oh, a big event is happening. Let me check out News Now. Uh, a big, you know. So I think there's 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 a bet we're making there. I don't think we have enough data to support whether we're making the right bet yet. I'm going to just Mm -hmm. be honest. I'm, I'm -hmm. um, you know, there there's certainly anecdotal that you feel like you get out of it. Um, You see there were, you know, all the time I'm, I'm asking for data and I get it. I mean, they share some of it with news now and you, you sort of see um, that there is constant growth all the time. I mean, it is, it is cord cutters, right? Like ultimately on the big news event nights, when, when news now, erupts, they, they're able to see it is, it is the cord cutter. So I, I think there's that, but I know I'm, I, I, I just think cable has, has become, I, I think that cable and social cable and social media have the same problem. They worry too much about who's watching
3: mm-hmm.
4: and they cater That's to the audience. They don't, yeah. they don't report the news. You know I always say I cover politics as it is not as I wish it were. Mm-hmm. And I think cable is catering to the viewer that is looking for politics as they want it, right. and um, and I think that that social media has sort of supersized that, right? And yeah. the two are so, sort of so almost pa- intertwined. So, so I'm I'm making a bet that there's going to be this. I don't, you know, that that more and more, there there is. Well, not only that, I know this. I mean, we sort of watch how often social media pol- political uh, seers are so wrong now. Constantly because it isn't representative of sort of where America is. It's representative of where the people that are on Twitter are.
0: Yeah. Okay. So talk about this. How does this streaming television affect the next election uh, coverage for the next four years Um, and voters getting their information differently? Now, Donald Trump is perfect for the cable news and social media. Universe. It's twitchy. It's reductive. It's narrative. Right. It's entertainment. And it's it's kind of toxic entertainment, but that's what it is. Um, and obviously, the numbers have fallen off uh, rather dramatically mm-hmm. since he left, as he predicted, and he's correct. Um, but how? Are, what will be different? How should people on streaming television get their? How will it affect the election coverage in the next few
4: years? Well, I think that streaming is going to be the home of of. Of all the long form journalism for a while. That's about 2024. Now, whether Mm -hmm. that is impactful or not, I think I'm sort of reading that in your question a little bit. I'm sort of Mm -hmm. trying to, it is because I don't know the answer to that. I'm hoping it's impactful. I'm hoping there are ways we do this impactfully. I think you're going to see all sorts of experimentation on streaming. Well, you'll have maybe, you know, you'll have people that are just some entity that'll be like the, you know, the all Ron DeSantis channel. Right, they all, you know, things oh. like that. You may see it, you know, I, that's a, that's a potential negative side uh, of, yeah. of where this could go. Um, look, I think we're headed for Uber fragmentation, mm-hmm. um, but I have this Pollyannish hope that Uber fragmentation means there are so many bubbles that you can't help but have your bubbles collide with each other and you may accidentally get, get uh, cultural feeds that come from different perspectives where right now our sort of our cultural bubbles are are very defined in the in the pre-streaming world but as we continue to fragment it it, 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 it you know the idea is like the more fragmentation the more you're your well I'm also a baseball card nut so I'm going to go into that bubble oh that's going to expose me to a point of view that I had no idea about x. so it, it's like I said a bit pollyannish point of view about what fra- what uber fragmentation could lead to um but I think that's what's going to be definitional about 23 and 24 is it'll be a lot more of that, and streaming will will be filled with a lot more experimental coverage, and will some will work and some won't. But that's kind of how I view how the next cycle is going to look like on streaming. Kind of what I would say. I was in so I was involved in the very first political website that um that mainstream networks invested in in 95 96 called Politics Now. It was actually hmm. we were one called Politics USA. I, I would equate it that was a very experimental time with the internet between mm-hmm. i'd say 96 and inner and, and the internet didn't really become a um a driver arguably you know drudge was it on country server prodigy you know um no we it were on we the, were on the internet they were on oh, the internet wow. we were on yeah. the web um, they were it I, I i joke i remember i remember doing uh moderating chats and all of our conversations with with were with libertarians. Like the only people online were the libertarians and they wanted a lot more Harry Brown coverage because Harry Brown was the libertarian nominee oh. in 1996. Yeah. So that was a, it was an early reminder that to this day I've always, and it's been true to this day that the sort of, the more hardcore the internet hole is, think Reddit and all this stuff, it's base ideology is still that libertarian mindset.
1: Scott? I'm curious. I want to just pivot to politics. By the way, you so owe me drinks. I watch your show every week. I'm literally <laughs> doesn't owe me like,
0: drinks. Right. Why do you, you want a drink?
1: Where How about is a mug? my where's my loyalty How about a mug? card? How about I'm, a mug? Seriously. And I think, I'm the, I think I'm literally the youngest, hippest viewer of the 3 million people oh, watching your show. you're, me. Oh, Low you're bar. telling me. about age. Low bar. <laughs> you're me about age.
4: Low bar. Anyways. Right. Okay. I, I think stop I'm still negging, younger than the average stop, cable, the average stop cable stop viewer. Stop
0: negging the guest and ask it's him an I, actual it's question, It's because I, I
1: admire him. I'm a, he's, right. I, I think negging he does a great job. You Anyways, anyway. Chuck, you, said you, have this, this, you have this really rare seat. You sit at the fulcrum of two political parties, and my senses, and correct me, I may be wrong here, and this goes to my question, that a lot of them don't even, not only don't speak to each other, they don't really understand each other. What do we get wrong? You know these people, you come in contact with more of them from the, the entire spectrum. Like, What are, what would you tell us that our impression of these people is not correct? What, what can you tell us we don't know well, about give, these individuals? Give
4: me I'll give you an answer I used to give, but I don't mm-hmm. believe it as much anymore because I do think we've, we've um, I do think running, I would say before 2010, I would say that 95% of people that were elected to Congress ran for what I would call the right reasons, meaning mm-hmm. there was something personal that motivated them, a local issue. Um, and there was a sort of a, there was a core. I remember one of my things that I did a lot when I first started Meet the Press, or actually it was Daily Rundown, the pre, the first iteration of a cable news before I took over Sunday Meet the Press, and then and then changed to a to a Meet the Press daily. Is I used to do exit interviews with longtime retiring senators or mm-hmm. or like committee chairs in the House, and I remember doing one where he's like, I said, what you know, why'd you run for office the first time? And 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 this person said, um, because I didn't like the the I didn't like the lines they were drawing for my kid's school district and I was upset. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, what'd you learn from the experience? And he says that I was wrong about their motivation of why they drew the lines, but but I, I won the office anyway. And then I, it just sort of, it was, but it was, it was like, that's, that's how you know, at least hope someone gets involved because they're like, oh, what's this happening? Maybe I need to mm-hmm. get more involved. Maybe I should, you know, um, go to a board meeting and find out what's happening. And if I don't like it, maybe I should run. It sort of, I, I can't say that anymore because there is a Unfortunately, running for political office is is now a fast track, is now a get rich quick scheme for, <laughs> for a for a, for a chunk of people. Not going to say a majority of the people, but you know, you look at a Mac Gates, and it's pretty clear he views politics as as some sort of um, uh, fast track to stardom, <laughs> fast track to celebrity, fast track to money in some form or another, and. That's the, that's the, the world we've headed to that, that I'm, I'm concerned about that it's, it's cause then it, 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 it sort of cheapens the idea of public service a little bit. Um, and I do think in fact that we don't, I'll tell you a story that I, that stares us in the face every hour. And that is the language that's used in email fundraising. And I think that we, we sort of overlook it too often collectively. And not realize, read those words. It's like, this is just, this is becoming a grift. Mm -hmm. It -hmm. is bordering on becoming a grift and a weird get rich trick scheme. And that consultants are like abusing people, you know, raising money just to, just to, you know, collect fees. And the money never actually goes to anything. And we can do all the stories that were blue in the face telling people this is the case and it doesn't matter, right? It, It keeps working, it keeps happening. And so that's, you know, that's a part of this that I'm that's disappointed me. And then I'm you watch a lot of people who I think came in to public service for the right reasons and now just want to survive and keep their job. And that has made them do things that, that you know, I think just publicly have, you know. Well,
0: defaced, hasn't, uh,
4: not to base the idea of public service.
0: Sure. But hasn't cable news by putting people like Matt Gates on or all of the, all of them, not just yours, but, mm-hmm. you know, made it so they have to do these hot takes and then they move to Twitter and do a hot take. You and I both recently interviewed Anthony Fauci, and obviously he's the latest version yeah. of that. Right. He's become ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's been fighting back against it. But, you know, just yesterday, Marsha Blackburn put out an idiot tweet. Ronnie Jackson put out an idiot tweet. I mean, you know, I think I tweeted dumb, dumber. And then there's dumbest. Mm-hmm. But it's still it, it, it's part of the game of doing that. Can you do any decent political coverage in any in any of these medium when that's the fact and, and Trump has made it so and, and still exists in the universe?
4: I guess I'm what I'd say is I want to try. I mean I, I I I I take your point. I always say there's sort of two different political news cycles every day. There's the political news cycle that's about getting crap getting crap done, right? Whether it's um preparing, you know, what's going to happen in the in the Biden Putin meeting. What are what's the latest on the infrastructure talks? Um and then there's this other news cycle of the outrage of the day mm-hmm. or the manufactured crisis, um, you know, the whatever the manufactured uh, crisis is particularly on the on the on the right-wing echo chamber um uh, which is on one hand there's they're extraordinarily gifted at manufacturing controversy I mean I sometimes like I don't think we fully appreciate um sadly how effective they are it's amazing how quickly um right-wing politicians will just echo whatever the right-wing media you know if they if it knows Mm -hmm. that it's getting traction or it's going viral they now glom onto it uh on that front so and and, you know it's funny when we put together a sunday rundown and, and you know my favorite question on fridays or saturdays will be what are we missing and inevitably the what are we missing is this part two of political coverage the stuff you're talking about Kara. And it's sort of like, how much do we delve into it? How much don't we you know, not? Like this past week, I did do an e-block on, what, on basically what we were shorthanding internally is MAGA bingo, right? This sort of how the entire Republican Party, like there's, you know, the Republican base doesn't care what's happening in infrastructure talks right now, right? Mm-hmm. The Republican base is animated by something, right, by n- other issues, right? Whether it's this the this so-called critical race theory um, manufactured controversy or the, you um, or the election um or we got to somehow send troops to the border um or I'm going to the I mean the Missouri Senate candidates apparently have to go to the Arizona audit um in order to show affinity to primary voters so now I think that story collectively is important to so show this is how Republican primaries are going to look for the 22 cycle it's going to be a competition of who can sort of uh, virtue signal the best to the MAGA base, question I have is I, I, you know, this, this feels like a mistake for them, that this is going to alienate middle of the road voters. um, But, you know, that's also a story that's not yet fully baked. So I, I, it becomes, I think it becomes a challenge on when to cover sort of that part of the news cycle, which is sort of the, the cable clings to it, because Let's be frank. I think they think there's a ratings draw to it.
0: Well, I think you, I think you all can't look away from Trump. I think it's really hard, and he is compelling as a figure, as a character, um, and he takes advantage, fully takes advantage of that. But that this is a debate that can go on forever. Scott, last question.
1: I want to do a lightning round with you, uh, Chuck, and okay. that is look at the insiders, uh, our representatives, the House, senators, and I won't ask you. I'll ask you what you think their impression as a body would be hardest working elected uh representatives in government
4: the hardest working hardest work is co- representatives of government i would say um it's this committee staff are the hardest working people the people that run the committees um, um the, okay. the staff director not, lightning Chuck. You know,
1: we're going lightning here all right sorry we're going lightning. sorry okay. yeah okay He's uh,
0: substantive now God, yeah. for goodness this isn't say, a, he's a over fucking podcast. What do you think Geez. this is? A I'm podcast? Teasing. Oh wait,
1: I'm oh wait. God, okay. I'm not
0: Twitter. I'm not going to go after <laughs> you. Jesus like Christ. tooth and nail. God, you get right. it on Twitter. Here like, we go. Crazy. Here we go.
1: All right. Um,
4: but who, doesn't it tell you what Twitter's about? Most interesting. interesting. Isn't it more reflective of Twitter than it is of what we do? Chuck, right. we're going to lose Boeing as a sponsor if you keep interrupting me.
0: <laughs> go ahead. Keep going.
1: Okay. Uh, most interesting person people would want to hang out with
4: in Washington.
1: Yeah, I know that's an oxymoron.
4: <laughs> Jesus, the most interesting person. Uh, I don't, man, I'm so, uh, Joe Biden.
1: Okay, most effective?
4: McConnell and Pelosi.
1: Most feared?
4: McConnell and Pelosi. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that.
1: What if no. What if they elected a president? Which? Who do you think they would elect amongst themselves if they had to pick a president who's the least offensive to the other side and they could coalesce
4: around? Oh, interesting. Good question, um, Scott. Oh. Uh, gosh, that's a that's a
0: you stump, Chuck Todd. I'm going to
4: say Steny. I'll put Steny Hoyer oh, on the, wow. as the as the Democratic nominee for that spot. And um, Roy Blunt.
1: And who gets the biggest turnout? Sure, I'm their going funeral? there. Yeah, who gets the biggest turnout of their funeral? And people are generally
4: want to want to honor that person. Barack Obama
0: that's an interesting and kind of macabre question Scott I like it it,
4: it really was but yeah you're, I mean it you know you, you well they're you all think about, about
1: 105 we need to think about that for a lot of them <laughs>
4: okay. not poor Obama man he that's yeah. a guy that you know he's on Netflix. Reti- you know to be done and all of a sudden you're you're just in your 60s yeah, Don't you the Netflix, yeah. A little? I think it's on Netflix a little. now Chuck or yeah, or the, you uh, all right yeah, so Spiel- I mean so Spielberg Yeah, everybody's
0: on Netflix now. Yeah, all right. Last, very, very last question. Looking at all these mergers and acquisitions, you can't help but think about them when you're. You know, now NBC Mm -hmm. bought uh, Comcast, bought NBC a long time ago, but and it it was sort of early to this. But it's there's going to be more and more and more. How do you look at it? Mm -hmm. I mean, like Paramount's a possibility. There's a whole bunch. You know, there's a whole bunch that are that are are possibly going to get bought. How does it feel like to be part of a news organization that's going to probably be part of a bigger thing? Even the internet companies will probably get involved at some point.
4: Uh, uh, it used to scare me a little bit that we would just, you know, get marginalized more and more. But um, it now feels like you need it to happen to survive and get the resources. You know, yeah. it's funny. It's like, you know, I what I'm interested in is is sort of where does the New York Times go? you know does it get does it get consumed by one of these big entities that's my theory um you know and that's just in our space in the new space i've been i've been mm-hmm. i've pondered that for a while and and where do, what happens to the you know when when does amazon merge the washington when when does the washington post and amazon fully fully sort of um, get together and you know the next big thing to me is is does netflix Buy one of these legacy, one of these remaining legacy media companies. I mean, it, it is. I feel. Look, I feel confident. The reason I'm happy about Peacock is that it's funny. It's like I don't know who survived. I would feel less comfortable being at CBS right now than I would yeah. here. You know, I think indif- everyone at I'd CBS feel less agrees. Yeah, and, and by the way, I feel that way about CNN. Like on one hand, they have this amazing brand, global brand. On the other hand, I've they've always had owners that don't know what the hell to do with them, um, and. You know they're a they're they're this to me the, the 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 second most fascinating place is You know does do they become the tentpole for Warner Media, mm-hmm. or is Warner swallowed? Right? Yeah, um, we or think they swallowed.
0: S- we have said spin swallowed. Spin it up. It's too small.
4: You know, it's too small. You think it is too small?
0: Yeah. By and the way, way the you question know, that I have, you know is,
4: I don't know if we're big enough or not. You know, we're, I feel like we're right. Some people think we're right on the edge. We're you too are too big to be consumed. Nobody can con- We're we're too big to be swallowed. Um, so it's no doubt we're probably going to be consuming. Um, I, I I know this. I I thought we would get into the you know, but if Amazon's going to overpay for MGM, then it, it's hard to get into this game sometimes, right? So, so I think hopefully. that's been. It's pretty. It's pretty clear that my company wants to be a consumer right. in the in 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 that sense. Um, so, pre- and so prediction I do expect for Chuck to Todd. For
0: prediction. Chuck Todd,
1: you'll be working at CNN within a year. They're going to throw up in earnings and the Roberts family (laughs) is sitting there in the weeds waiting for that stock, that single class of share stocks with a quarter of a trillion dollar market cap, which Comcast has. New head of CNN politics, Chuck Todd. Within within 24 Uh, months, Comcast uh, will win CNN. I will tell you this,
4: if I ever didn't want to be on air anymore, I would love to try to Um that to to sort of strategize where all this is headed is is, you know, I'd I'd love to do what you guys do.
0: You can Chuck. You can do it. You can just do it. You just say it. You just vomit up information like we do. How much would we
4: love to see Chuck
1: Todd? How much would we love to see Chuck Todd and Anderson Cooper at the same desk? Oh my god. Just talk about brains and dreamy. Oh that is God, chocolate, stop, and, stop. Peanut he just that is chocolate and peanut butter. stop! Oh, don't That is chocolate and peanut butter. That's enough oh, Anderson man. Cooper love. They go Scott, great together. Chuck, you, you
0: don't understand what's happening here, but he's got a weird obsession with Anderson Cooper. In any case, is that right? thank you. Ando, yes, it's, don't, ando. Please don't. Please stop. Please stop. Anyway, Chuck, thank you so much. This is incredibly smart, and we really appreciate <laughs> it. And we're looking forward well, to I'm, going over I, to Peacock to Chuck's see you. Chuck's a
1: Floridian. Peace out. Word uh, to my Floridian <laughs> brother. All right,
0: Chuck. Thank Chuck, you. Come Thank home. Thank you so Bye, guys. much. Come we appreciate home. it. Right, have a fine. good day. See ya. All right, Scott, one more quick break. I think you and Chuck had a little mind meld there, but asking for a drink was, I think, a little forward. Can in my you opinion.
1: imagine him no. and Anderson Cooper on the same stage? No, I can't. Mind I can't. blown.
0: To... All right. Definitely. Mind blown. We'll see. I don't think they're, they have the guts to do stuff like that. I don't think I don't. I think they should. And we'll see what the government Can does. Can you imagine
1: those two? T- seriously. Can you imagine those two they would hosting own a program news. On They would politics? own, news. They would they own it. They or whoever
0: their progeny are would They own would own it. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's it's theirs for the taken for if they do it. I don't. I think the government Chuck's would have got a that problem. great
1: voice. Ando's got the tries and the buys. Do you think I'm Robert in.
0: Murdoch is I'm going in. to let stuff like that happen? It's going to be one of the biggest fights in Washington. Speaking of Washington, anyway, Scott. One more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. What is your wins and fails
1: today? A unanimous decision from Supreme Court that uh, the NCAA and universities are engaging in antitrust by not allowing uh, uh, athletes to make more or make any money. And it just shocks me. If you want to look for what feels like systemic racism, uh, I, I was a college athlete. I was a road crew. All white sport, loses money, universities subsidize it. And then the two sports that over-index uh, and people of color, I, you know, essentially black people is basketball and football, which mm-hmm. make a shit ton of money, but we've decided the sport needs to be pure. And we can't pay the guys on the court or the gals mm-hmm. on the court, but we can pay the white people, <laughs> the coaches. Yeah. And if you look at the coaches of the top 25 schools, now I am engaging in identity politics here. The top 25 schools, the coaches make between three and $8 million, and the athletes don't make anything. And yet the NC2A, which is again more boomers. Uh, they make a shit ton of money. The university and administrators. It comes down to this: we continue to ask ourselves at universities, the administrators and the leadership, and the older people and the coaches, the administrators, ask themselves the same question every day: How can we reduce our accountability and increase our compensation? Yeah, and and an illegitimate, sentence. an illegitimate answer for the last fifty years has been: Let's pretend that there's a purity. Do you know how many actual paying jobs there are in the NBA? There's maybe 20 or 30 a year. And when do a lot of athletes peak? Between the ages of 18 and 23. Why on earth wouldn't you make, let them make a, get, capture a fraction of well, the value they are creating? They are
0: being used as, as, uh, as fundraising and money raising for these, these entities. And you I know what the A's right. defense was? What?
1: That the fans would be turned off. If the athletes got paid anything, that's like saying that we're going to define Uber's business model because I want drivers to make less than minimum wage mm-hmm. so they can yeah. continue to engage in that. I think there's a model. question
0: of like how money could really coarsen in it in a lot of ways. And they, 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 there is they're, they're at the top, you know, I get it. I don't think I, nothing about sports is ever pure as far as I'm concerned at all, From which is probably why I don't watch it as much. But I do think you're right. I think there's it's sort of like here's the colleges and the coaches and the Alumni making all this money, and these 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 people who are performing for the audience are are free. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I hate
1: yeah, to say and it's it the right. two. And what do you know? What do you know, Kara? It's the two sports. That's pre- yes. predominantly black kids, right? Well, it's baseball. I'm sorry, it's basketball and it's football that make all the money. And guess the money. what? They make no money. They they don't yeah. get anything. Whereas the sports like lacrosse and crew, we get subsidized because we we don't make any money but we, anyways right. Right. i think it's well, is, is a different
0: you wouldn't get paid for that nobody wants to pay a cross player to, you know what i mean like that was this is just they are the they are that's where the money is happening and that's the only group of people in this money machine that isn't making money it has to be done right i think that's really i think there is some feeling of not cheapening college sports but it already has been cheapened in a lot of ways um all right what's your win what's your win
1: uh, well, my win and my loss is uh, I've been watching the Kaminsky method. Have you seen mm, that?
0: No, I haven't. I've seen. I've, yeah, I've it's about. Seen it. Yeah,
1: it's about old a couple of old uh, white guys. Uh, but it's it's really um.
0: Michael Douglas is one of them. Currently.
1: It's really it's really a nice show. Actually, I think the star of the show is Alan Arkin and the and the woman who plays uh, Michael Douglas's daughter. I think they kind of steal the show. But it's um it's a really well done. Um, elegant show. And I, I've never been a big fan of Michael Douglas, but he's outstanding mm-hmm. in this. He's, I, really,
0: why not? I like him. I think he's like one of those people who performs and even in bad stuff. I watched him in a movie called The Sentinel the other night. I I, love, I stay up late and watch like action movies and mm-hmm. i would never seen this movie and he played a, it's a terrible Kathleen movie. Kathleen Turner
1: makes a uh, guest appearance yeah, in, in it, season yeah, three. that's right. They were um, together
0: in uh, Romancing the Stone. Um, yeah, Penny it's really,
1: uh, it reminds me, it's a little bit like Schitt's Creek. I don't know if you watched that. It's not what I, I call do. a prof- it's not a profound show, but it's nice and relaxing. It's like a little, it's All like right. a dessert right. almost.
0: I like that. Anyways, like that. it's,
1: it's, 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 it's uh, in its third and final season. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a great job. And it's nice to see a show about people in their 70s and 80s. And I think Alan Arkin is a genius. I think he is right. wonderful. Yeah. I love yeah. watching him. Anyways, he that's, is. I oh, he's always bring... been
0: great. I just think, I think Michael Douglas is one of these. I used to watch Michael Douglas in the streets of San Francisco.
1: That's right. I remember that with Carl Malden.
0: Yep. Carl Malden. Right. He was the best. He was the best. In any Karl case, those American are really Express nice wins commercials. And fails. Those are nice wins and fails. I gotta say. I don't have any Well, to speak. thank you. Chuck Todd and Ando. One Todd. One, <laughs> on
1: one screen. Can we oh pick some God. more interesting
0: pairings if you don't mind? I That's Sybil Shepherd guys, and Bruce Willis
1: of the no, News Age. Not. No, it's
0: not. But I like the concept on it. I think uh, he was blown away by that, by the way. He was like, huh. huh. He, was, he hadn't thought of that. He was humbled. No, he was he humbled. Wasn't humbled. He was like, "Hmm, interesting." Hmm. No, I think he's he's always tried to be different. He gets yeah, he was he referenced it very briefly, but boy, does he get beat up on. Sometimes he says things that really just I'm like, "Oh, Twitter's going to kill you now." Um, every week he says something, I'm like, "Oh, Twitter's going to kill you now." Like he really. That guy did. threads
1: the needle. Meet the press right now. It's Not interesting. Everybody They're likes just...
0: Chet Tog. It's a complex thing. He's definitely speaking of lightning rods on Twitter. He is one of them. He's Chuck ruining. Todd. Oh yeah! Oh, no, I
1: didn't know that. But when you think about it, there's the so left
0: and the right and the everyone, everyone.
1: There's so few media properties that have been able to establish themselves or maintain some level of being perceived as uh, balanced or neutral arbiters, and Meet the Press is mm-hmm. one. And literally yeah. nobody Not else can, has been able so. to maintain the position. Not everybody
0: thinks so. Just go on Twitter one any any one day after anything and watch. I don't, again, I think Chuck is right. Twitter does not represent the world. But, but do people think
1: that, do people think Meet the Press has uh, got a liberal or a conservative bias?
0: Oh, if he's, if, he, if he's not tough enough uh, on a Republican, they, you know, they slap him silly all, every week. I think a particular Republican, or he didn't ask him this question. And then if he asked something that's tough, they, it's interesting. It's interesting to watch. I just, I feel like, like a lot of things, it's sort of like, wow, that was, you know, I, I don't know why people who are on Twitter who talk about Meet the Press are not there for uh, illumination, let's just say. <laughs> just, I don't know how else to put it. They're not there for illumination. It's just not never good enough. And at the same time, you know, there's 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 feedback and criticism to be had of every new show, including ours. And in that case, it it takes on a weird life of its own and it centers around Chuck Talk. He does
1: himself. a great job. I, I, I'm not, I wasn't exaggerating. I watch Meet the Press every show. week. I think yeah, it's a lot of I do a fantastic I do. job. Longest running TV series in history.
0: They, ha- they could have gone a certain way and they've managed to keep relevant. It is, I think he himself, as he was talking about, gets exhausted by the reductiveness of it, and that's why he wants to do the longer form stuff. He's, he's a real uh, political nerd in that way. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Scott, that's the show. That was really interesting in any case, and we'll see if it comes to pass, if your prediction comes to pass. We'll be back on Friday for more. I will still be in this closet, but Rebecca and I are going to keep trying to make it sound better and better. Maybe I'll put a blanket over my head in the next show. Um, go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your question for the pivot podcast. The link is also in our show notes.
1: Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Ernie Andrew Todd engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or well, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Fred and Ginger, Shamu and Orca, I don't know, other famous and Sonny, Chuck Todd and Ando.